Thank you, Lord. Well, God, we pray that you will let your spirit just break out in this place, Lord. And I pray that you will meet every person in this room exactly the way that you want and the, the way that they need, Lord. And God, I thank you that when we are before you, Lord, everything is possible, Lord. It doesn't matter how we walked in here today, we can walk out completely different because changing us is what you do, Lord. So we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit. I ask that you would speak to us. Enlighten us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. Well done, team. Awesome. You sound better every time. Well, it's so good to be back. You know, it's a huge honor to get a steward, a platform uh, of someone you greatly admire, Pastor Kerry and Chris. It's one thing to do it once, one weekend, but to get to do it two weekends in a row, it's a huge honor and certainly something I don't take for granted. And uh, I'm uh, humbled and honored to be here today and uh, share the Word of God with you. And also, before I get into my message, um, so I'm a, I'm a foreigner. I'm a, I'm a Swede. I'm, I'm kind of like, I feel adopted, but I'm, I am a Swede. But I came here when I was 20 years old, and my life was broken, and this country welcomed me and gave me a place, a place of restoration, a place to live, showed me a whole lot of things I didn't know, and uh, this country has always been so warm to me and so welcoming, and I love America. So as a Swede, and this weekend when we celebrate, tomorrow's 4th of July, I just want to say thank you for all the sacrifices and for everything you as a nation do to make the world better. I strongly believe that the world is better when America is strong. And I know that it's built on sacrifices made by so many people, especially servicemen and service women. So we get to reap the benefit of a better world because of the sacrifices that you guys have made for years and years and years. So I thank you and I honor you for that. Uh, it's a privilege to get to visit this fantastic nation. I love it. If I wasn't called, I'd move here. But I'm the kind of person you like two weekends, but you wouldn't want me here, I tell you that. <laughs> I tried to dress up for Sunday morning. Then I saw that Pastor Mark had ripped jeans, and I, I kind of felt like the old guy. But uh, what do you do? So we're going to continue um, from last week. It's a bit of a serious, if you weren't here last week, it's not really a serious, I just tie them together, so you're good, you can just jump in today. If you heard me last weekend, um, you, we will keep talking about a few other things. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it. But I mentioned briefly um, last week, last Sunday, last weekend, about Moses, when God called him to strike the rock so water came forth. It wasn't my main message, I just talked about it a little bit. And today I want to keep talking about... Uh, that scenario when God calls Moses to bring forth water out of a rock. And I want to talk to you about, if you want a title for today's message, it's called God Does What He Says. God Does What He Says. So Israel, they've, they're out of uh, slavery. Israel has passed the Red Sea. They got out of slavery. Uh, they got to the Red Sea. They complained. God delivered them. They get through the Red Sea. Now they're in the desert. They're complaining again. I mean, it's like having a road trip with young kids. You know, you can't win. And, and Moses, he's just getting, what do I do with these people? And every time they have, they, they're so dramatic. Every time they have challenges, 
They want to go back to Egypt. And I think it's so funny because so often when we encounter challenges, we think go back is the way to go. It was better when. It was better there. At least I had. At least I didn't have to. And Israel's people want to go back and they complain to Moses. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 17 and verse 1 as we get into the word this morning. Um, and it goes like this. The, word, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim by traveling, uh, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for, for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Now remember, in Egypt, they got beaten. They got killed. They, got, they, they were bullied. They were, you know, they were, they were slaves. And now they're a little bit thirsty. Everybody has one of those friends. I mean, really, it's not that bad. You're just being dramatic. Then Moses cried out of the Lord, like any pastor on a Monday morning. What am I to do with these people? That's a joke. You guys are lovely. They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders. But Israel uh, of Israel, and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go, and I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb and, and strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people will drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Man, talk about being dramatic. You're thirsty and you go, is the Lord among us or not? I'm thirsty. And but God tells Moses, take your staff, the one you split the sea with, and strike the rock, and I will bring forth water. See, God always has miracles in store for us. God always has miracles ready for us. You know, for God to make water come out of a rock, that, that's not a big deal. But for us to trust God seems to be a very big deal. So, why is it easier to turn a need into a complaint than a prayer? Why did Israel's people, instead of praying to God that just delivered them, complain about the water? When you have a need, what's your go-to? Is it complaint? Is it whining? Is it just, you know, getting all down and negative? Or is your go-to a prayer because you know you have a God who can bring water out of rocks? and make the impossible happen for you. Even when there's no way, he says he'll make a way. He even says that he is the way. So, you know, um, someone told me a long time ago, just gave me an advice, you know, about how to handle when you bump into needs. He said, Andreas, before you go to the phone and start complaining about it, go to the throne and pray about it. And I think that's a good motto in these ages where we live where the phone is always in our hand. Before we go to the phone, let's make sure we've been to the throne and ask God to do what only he can do. So God, he, he does a miracle. And then, uh, you know, a little bit later, they're thirsty again. And if we jump to Numbers chapter 20, verse 2, God speaks uh, to Moses again about bringing forth water out of a rock. 
And now they're complaining again. And it says in Numbers chapter 20, verse 2, now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Now they wish they were dead. Man, they are a dramatic bunch. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness? And we and our livestock should die here. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place of freedom? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranate. I don't even know what that is, but whatever it is, they didn't have it. And there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And he said, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and he will pour out it's water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that their livestock can drink. So Moses took their staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. And him and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. He's over it. Listen, you rebels. You must bring your water out of this rock. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice. With his staff, water gushed out and the community and the livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses, and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. What a crazy thing. It's the same miracle. It's water out of rocks. First time God tells Moses, Moses, I want you to strike the rock. And he did and water came out. Second time God tells Moses, Moses, I don't want you to strike the rock. I want you to speak to it. But Moses did. I'm just going to do what worked last time. And then he, he stroked it twice. Now water came out. It looked like a miracle. It looked like a good deal. It looked like something good. But God could not bless it. Because Moses turned to experience. But God is looking for obedience. Anytime we put experience over obedience, it might look like we're winning, but God can't bless it. God has no problem bringing water out of rocks. It's not like, you know, God go like, man, I can, I tell you, I can put water out of rocks. If I could do that, that'd be the best party trick ever. I'll set up a show in Las Vegas and I'll be there for the rest of my life. I go like, all I do is bring water out of rocks. Nobody else can do that. But God, he, he's not, that's not a big thing. To the people, it was a big deal that water came out of a rock. But God's like, water out of a rock? Man, that's not even a big thing. There was no one in heaven, no angels. There was no one around God in the throne and the angels and whoever hangs out up there and who was like looking down and go, could you believe that God could bring water out of a rock? Man, just when we thought we've seen everything. Now, they were there when he separated, separated land from water, when it was dark, and he said, let it be light, when he created heaven and earth, when he detailed, put together the creation that we get to live in and steward. Now, they've seen it all. There was no big deal that water came out of rock. But to, to Moses and to the Israelites, the big deal was that the water came out of the rock, and they missed the big picture. The fact that God was mighty to meet their needs if they trusted him and obeyed him. But they choose experience over obedience. What do you think God was looking for? Think he was looking to do a party trick? 
Do you think he was looking for obedience? Moses relied on experience rather than on what God was telling him. He handled things the way he's always done. Isn't that so typical for us human beings? We handle things the way we've always done. Everybody got that uncle or that aunt, you know, with a temper always blows up and they tell you, well, that's just the way she is. That's just the way he is. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you don't have to be that way. You can get redeemed, buddy. You can get happy. You can get the joy of the Lord. We can slap this thing out of you if you want to. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But you go like, well, that's just the way he is. Well, grow up. My kids were like that when they were like two years old, but now you're like 42, and that's just the way you is. That's just the way you are. No way, man. You're going to be lonely. Nobody, ain't nobody got time for grumpy people always acting up. That's just the way they are. Well, stop being that way. Let's grow up together. You first. <laughs> Obedience is better than experience. Now, I value experience. I have some great people on my board and, and as leaders in our church, and I value experience. I value to, uh, to get to sit with Pastor Kerry and ask him questions and learn from him and get mentored by him and get all this valuable input. And experience is great, but, but, but we got to understand that experience, really what it is, if you want to be a little bit cynical, experience is being an expert on the past. I mean, it's good. There's a lot of good things, but really it is being an expert on what already happened when God is saying, see, I'm, I'm doing a new thing. You, you thought the water was the thing. The water wasn't the thing. The obedience was the thing. First time I told you to strike the rock and it met your need. Second time, all you wanted was you getting your needs met and you forgot to listen when I told you to speak to it. And this is under the Old Testament law. So Moses is reaping the consequences of it, of disobeying God. And God says, now you will never see the promised land. We glorify the past. And we return to it, and we miss the future. You know, oh, I don't have time. You guys are so friendly. I, I can get lost. But I'll tell you, when I, when I came to America, first time, I was 18 years old. Like, I grew up in a small little town, like eight, 9,000 people, 200,000 cows. You know, it was small. I had never been out of there until I was a teenager. You know, like we did one school trip to, to some city. They bust us up there, and they took us around and took us home. We're really like the kind of people you don't take anywhere. You know, like you just kind of, you kind of fence, they, kind of the people you fence in a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> and, you know, I grew up, you know, like driving cars at a young age, smashing cars, driving them, anything with an engine and having fun, you know, being semi-safe, chasing girls, driving cars, you know, like doing all the crazy stuff and I never seen much, you know, like I, we were driving Volvos. We were trying to go, make them go faster. We put turbo on. We, we you know, we, we souped them up. We made them go as fast as possible. We wrecked them. And then when I was 18, first time in my life, I got on a plane for the first time in my life and I flew to America. Now I tell you, it changed my life. You know where I come from? It's a little bit of a socialistic country. If you order waffles, you get two. If you try to order four waffles, you get two. And you go, please, can I have three? You get two. Everybody get two. But I'm hungry, I want four. You get two. And then I came to America. First place I ate at that I could afford, my very first place was Waffle House. <laughs> Bro, they gave me as many as I wanted. I stacked them up. You know, I was pouring syrup on it like it was raining from heaven. And I go, can you believe this country? 
They'll give you as many waffles as you want. You can rack them up all day, baby. You can eat as much. They give you bacon with it. They give you, like, you get two. Where I'm from, you get two. Here, whatever you want. And I got to drive a car. Now, sorry if you're not into cars. I drove a Ford Econoline 7.3 liter international engine, power stroke, power stroke diesel. I revved that sucker up. And he was like, whoo, come on, somebody. I knew this existed. I just never seen it before. You start up a little zob. You go, and you go, turn on the Ford. You feel like, man, this is, I was born for this. Everything was new. Every impression was awesome. Every new moment was awesome. Every new morning was amazing. I stayed at Motel 6. I said, can you believe they got this kind of stuff here? I got to stay in a hotel. I'm, I'm fine, baby. And then I turned out Motel 6. There was better stuff as Motel, uh, than Motel 6, but I was happy with my Motel 6. First time in a hotel room. Until someone came and banged on my door at 3 a.m. and told me to move my car. I parked in the wrong place. I didn't know. And see, then I've been coming here dozens and hundreds of times, and I've lived here. What happens to us as human beings is we just start to take things for granted. And now that I bring my kids over and I, I get to watch it again through their eyes, who they, when they see everything for the first time, and tell me I've been around every mall and shop and anything this week, you can tell. You know, uh, you know I pick up the tab and I carry the bag. That's what I do, you know, like <laughs> I've been around, you know, you tell me you want to know anything, where to find anything in Woodlands, call me. I know every store we've been there. And, uh, but I just love seeing it through their eyes. And I think life is like that. We kind of lose that. We lose that adventure and that belief that we can experience new things. And sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God, we just yeah, heard that before. Yeah, prayed that before. Okay, they're going to do that song again. All right, well, it's Easter, you know, like, and we just lose this sense of that we had when we just got saved where, where every word that anybody's, we didn't care who was preaching, was anybody opened the word of God and read something out of the word of God got us fired up because it blessed us and it ministered to us. And then we just become these old people who've seen it all before and we rely on our experience and we forget that this is a journey of obedience with a God who says, see, I make all things new. And we can live in this adventurous, obedience life with God where we can just have it all fresh every morning and trust him and obey his word. You know, first time, Moses, he strikes a rock, he gets blessed. Second time, he strikes a rock, he gets condemned. Now God, he knew that he could produce water out of a rock, but he wanted to know if the miracle was more important than obedience to Moses. You know, we thank God for what he's done, but we live in obedience to God's now word. What is God's now word for you, my friend? What is God's now word for your family, for your business, for your marriage? What is God saying? If you say, I don't know, well, then I'd I like to suggest that you're not listening because he's speaking. He's never short of life-giving words. He's speaking. He's got something to say. He, he is the source of wisdom. He's the source of everything. And he will speak if we listen and obey. You know, there's a process to live in the call of God and by the words of God, to live in obedience to what God is saying. I, I just like to, as we're getting into the landing of this message, it's going to be quite a long landing, not too long, but semi-long, all right long. I just want to give you three things about living in obedience to God's word. 
in how to live out of what God is saying so we don't strike the rock when God tells us to speak to the rock. So we can live in the abundance, not only seeking the hand of God and what he does, going after the water, but that we can seek the face of God and live in obedience and walk in trust with him in all our days. I I, I believe there's a process to hearing God's word and, and living by it and understanding what he wants us to do. And number one, how to live in that process is seek God until he reveals himself. You know, it's interesting. It says in Numbers chapter 20, verse 6, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. You know, I believe there's times in our lives where we just got to walk from stuff. You know, there's times in our life where we just got to put stuff aside, where we need to make room. And we say, God, speak to me. And God goes, yeah, I wish you had a split second where you weren't busy that I could talk to you. Sometimes we got to do what Moses and Aaron did when they, they just walked away from, they said, I got, we, I got to walk away. You got to stay there. I got to get alone with God. I, I got to get in a room with God. I like to get in my truck and drive just for hours sometimes just to be alone with God and to listen to him. I fly a lot on planes and when I get on planes, I, I have these noise cancellation earphones. I love them because I don't like to talk to people on, on, on planes because sometimes they don't like preachers and, and, um, they want me to ask all these questions or they want me to counsel them for 12 hours and usually counseling sessions four to five minutes and, you know, and, and we make an appointment. We just don't, don't end up next to each other and, and, you know, like I am a good witness and a Christian. I'm trying. But when I get on the plane, I just put these babies on and I go, the world just disappeared. You can talk to me all you want. I just smile because I can't hear you. I'm in my own world. I don't know whether you like me now or not because in here it sounds great. And I put on my noise kit and they just, they have this thing, this button you flick on and, and, and it just takes away all the noise and you can't hear anything. I love them. But you know, we got to learn how to just get away from the noise sometimes. You know, I was on a plane once. I'll tell you a funny story. I was on a plane. I got on a plane. I was tired. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I've been preaching all week and I was going to fly home. It's a long overseas flight. I get on there. I got my headphones on. I got my hoodie up. I'm just sitting there freezing. I'm jet lagged. I'm trying to fall asleep against the window before the plane is even taken off. And this woman comes and sit down and I go, oh Lord, please don't make her talk to me. You know, like I don't want to be a witness. I let someone else witness to her. I just want to be alone. I'm spent. I've given everything. I'm just being honest. You know, I'm I'm a fairly good Christian, but I have my days too, you know. So, so I'm sitting there, got my hoodie. Every sign is saying, don't talk to me. Headphones, hoodie, everything. She yanks my hoodie, goes, and I go, what? And I said, what? So said, what do you do? <laughs> Trying to sleep. I mean, what do you do? What do you work with? And I go, oh, my Lord, here we go. I said, I'm a preacher. She goes, I don't like preachers. That kind of figures. She said, I don't like preachers. I said, that's all right. We're just going to spend a couple of, you know, 12 hours next to each other. Then you'll never see me again. You'll be all right. And I said, I'm going to try to get some sleep. And she kind of, you know, turned around and put my headphones on again, hoodie up, trying to fall asleep. So then, and then and a couple of hours later, she's, she's yanking in my hoodie again. She goes like, do something. I was like, what? What do you want me to do? It's turbulence. And she goes, do something. I thought, what am I going to do? I'm not a pilot. I'm a preacher. You don't even like me. And she said, you got to do something. 
you're a preacher. You can do something. I said, what do you want me to do? I'm not a pilot. She said, do something religious. How's that going to help the turbulence? She goes, you're a preacher. Do something religious right now. I said, okay, ma'am. So I just stood up and took up an offering in the plane. So that was great. You know, now I'm joking. I'm joking. It didn't happen. It's just a funny joke. I should have. I didn't. <laughs> but you know, sometimes we just got to need to learn how to get alone, how to get away with God, how to just turn out the noise so he can speak to us. You know, submit yourself to God. It says that Moses and Aaron fell face down. You know, that's a posture. And you don't have to fall on your actual face, but it, it's a posture before God. It's the same posture that Jesus demonstrates in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, Lord, uh, Father, if, if, it's, if it's possible to do this any other way, please, Lord, let this cup pass me by. But then he says, not my will be done, but your will be done. As he's kneeling before the Father. It's a posture. And I think if we learn the posture before God of submitting our lives to God, he'll always help us to stand up in life and stand up through life. Moses and Aaron, they were seeking God until he revealed himself. If you want to live in the process of hearing God and living out of his word and whatever he speaks to you into any situation, we have to learn how to seek God until he reveals himself. Second thing is we need to learn how to receive instructions from God. Numbers 20 verse 8, it says, take the staff and your brother Aaron and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before the eyes, and he will pour out his water. He'll bring water out of it, rock for the community, so they, will, so they and their livestock can drink. Now listen, ain't, there's nothing unclear with those instructions. There's no gray zone. He says, take Aaron, speak to the rock. But Moses, he heard what he wanted to hear. I think it's important when we listen to God that we actually receive the instructions that he gives us. Not the way we wish he said it or half of it and then we make up half of it ourselves. You know, we got to receive instructions for God. Don't hear what you want to hear. You got to hear what God is saying. The problem is if we don't hear what God is saying, we will start listening to a whole lot of other people. And I'll tell you what, if you haven't noticed, there's no shortage of opinions in this world today. You ask enough people, you find someone who will tell you what you want to hear. You go, oh man, I just talked to this person. He gets me. It's like that. you've been talking to 50 people before and no one got you. And you find this one. And all of a sudden, you guys are in an agreement. And we're just going to agree in faith. You just did obey, disobeyed everything God told you. And you find someone who wanted to agree with you and you call it. That's not, you got to hear what God is actually saying. You got to listen to his word and you got to believe it and you got to just download it and receive it and live by it. Number three of hearing God's voice and living by it is do what God tells you. One of my strengths is that I'm not that smart, but I figure out if I just do what God tells me, I'll win every time. Now, I don't do that because I don't always do what God tells me, but I'm trying. But I tell you what, if we learn how to do what God says, then God will take responsibility for the outcome. God took responsibility for the water coming out of a rock. He took responsibility for miracles. He took responsibility for anything that, that he said would happen. He, but he just wanted us to do our part the way he asked us to do it. Do what God tells you. There's a story 
I'm going to ask the keyboard player to come out. Uh, there's a story um, in, uh, in the Bible with a man called Naaman, and he had leprosy, and he traveled across the world to get to a prophet called Elisha at, because he heard that Elisha could heal people. So when he get there, Elisha sends his servant out and, and, uh, and to meet them, and he instructs him to, uh, the, the Naaman, uh, you know, who's a very prominent person, he tells him, go and dip yourself seven times in the River Jordan. Pretty easy instructions. It's kind of like, strike the rock, speak to the rock, dip yourself seven times in the River Jordan. Naaman, he gets offended. Naaman says, why would I do that? Why would I travel all this way to dip myself in this dirty river? Jordan was dirty. And he says, we got better water at home. And I bathe there every day and I haven't got healed. Why would I get healed if I would get out in the dirty river, Jordan? And he gets offended. He says, I'm not going to do it. And he said, I thought the man of God would do something religious, kind of like the woman on the plane, which didn't happen, by the way. So he said, I thought he was going to do something religious. Sometimes we want it to feel spiritual. We want someone to go, hum, you know, and do all kinds of stuff with us. And go, oh, that was amazing. And then God tells us to do something simple, like dipping seven times in the river Jordan. But Naaman had a servant, and he said, hey, master, if he would have asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you have done that? Why not, now that he's asked you to do something simple, why wouldn't you do it? The thing with Naaman, he says that Jordan is dirty. And he went against Naaman's logic that dipping himself in a dirty river would get rid of his leprosy like that. How does that even work? See, one of the challenges for us receiving the word of God is that we're always going to try to filter it through our logic. Always try to filter it through our rationality. We are the smartest, most educated, uh, enlightened people who's ever lived, yet we're still sometimes so stupid that we would elevate our own understanding over God's truth and God's word. And the thing is, sometimes God asks to do something really hard, we go, oh, that's got to be God. But then God asks you to forgive someone who doesn't deserve, and you go, no way. No way. Not that uncle. God asks you to just bless some mothers trying to raise kids by herself and God puts in your heart to just bless her and help her and, and you go, oh, maybe not. See, we want to do the hard stuff, but we don't want to do the easy stuff. I found out in my life, most times God speaks to me. It is very simple. It is very easy to actually obey him if I just choose to trust him and put his will and his word above my own logic sometimes and rationality. Naaman, he goes, why would I dip here? Naaman is smart. But God needs our faith and obedience to be more important than our understanding sometimes. The thing with Naaman is he didn't want to get undressed in front of his crew. He brought a whole lot of soldiers with him and staff and servants from the country he traveled from. And he kept being dressed all the time because he didn't want anybody to see his leprosy because 
he would think that if they see me with my sickness, they might think I am weak and they might lose respect for me or try to take me out or they might think less of me if they see my leprosy. So he kept himself wrapped up all the time. And here comes the prophet and he says, hey, why don't you take off your clothes and go dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan? And Naaman thinks, if I do that, then I have to show my weakness. But thank God that he had a servant who said, Naaman, if he'd asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. And now that he asked you to do something easy, you won't do it. What if it actually works? And then Naaman goes, okay, I'll try. First step, you got to be vulnerable. You got to expose yourself to the fact that God is going to meet your, meet you halfway. Takes his clothes off. Everybody goes, whoa, look at that. He's got, he's got leprosy. He's got things all over his body. Now he's at no point of return. Everybody's seen him. He steps down in the water, he's dirty, he's cold, he dips himself once, he doesn't work. God, is this really going to work? He dips himself again a second time. He goes, God, is this going to work? Three times, four times, five times, nothing happens. You ever try to do something God tells you, it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't work the second time. You go, did I really hear God? Was I really supposed to start this business? Was I really supposed to marry my spouse? Was I really supposed to move here or do that or bless him or... Or so that sin, whatever it is you could do. First time didn't work. Second time didn't work. Third time didn't work. Fourth time didn't work. Fifth time didn't work. Sixth time, man, he's tried. And he goes, this doesn't work. And his, his, uh, I can just see it in my mind. His servant shouts, do it the seventh time. And Naaman goes, hasn't worked the first six times. I might as well do it the seventh time. And the Bible says, as he dips himself the seventh time, he comes up out of the water completely healed. It's a journey of faith and obedience. And so often in our life when God speaks to us, it's a journey of faith. It's a journey of obedience. Understanding that God, he will back his word. God, he will take responsibility for every word that he says. He says no word shall ever return void. It would always do what God says it will do. It is not our job to figure out how the water is going to come out of the rock. It is our job to listen to God and understand and take a posture of humility and submission and obedience and say, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to dip seven times? It doesn't make sense, but if you say it, I'm going to do it. You want me to strike that rock? I've never done that before. Usually water comes out of different things, but not rocks. But if you tell me, God, I'll strike. God, do you want me to speak through the rock this time? Is that what you want? Is that how we're going to get it done? God, if you say speak, I'll speak. You look after the water, God, and I'll just listen, and I'll do what you tell me to do. What would change in our lives if we actually listened to God? If we believed that he would produce water out of our rock? those dead areas, those hard areas that we can't get a breakthrough. And God said, I got water coming out of there for you. If you listen and trust me and obey. And I wonder as I close what area in your life you need to submit to God. What areas in your life and in my life am I been trying to strike again and again and again because it used to work and it doesn't work? And God is saying, hey, speak. God says, go dip yourself, whatever that represents. What if we took a step back today and said, God, I need new instructions. Or maybe you're here today and God told you, it's like Naaman, go dip yourself seven times, but you got to bail out on the fifth time. You were so close. You were so close to your miracles. You were doing so good. 
and then you got discouraged and you gave up. You're praying for your kids so long and now you lost hope. You're praying for your marriage so long. You like on your sixth dip in the water. You're so close and then you say, God, you won't do it. I wonder what happened if we took a step back and said, God, I need new instructions. Here I am again. Willing, humble, submitted, and obedient to every word you speak in my life. Your will is my way. It's my prayer that you would do that in any area of your life where you need Christ to show himself and guide you and make water come out of rocks in your life. I'm going to end with a prayer before we go into a worship song. We do what Aaron and Moses did when they came before the Lord and the presence of the Lord came up on them. We're going to do that in a second just as we sing another worship song. But before that, i just like to pray a prayer. I would ask everybody at this moment to just close your eyes and bow your heads out of respect for your neighbor. I'm going to pray a prayer for anyone in this room who's never made a conscious decision to invite Christ into their lives. Here's the thing with God. He loves you so much. Here's the thing with God. He knows all your failures, all your mistakes, all your past. It has never never changed the way he loves you. He loves you so much. If you grew up religious, maybe you you were taught you got to do a whole lot of stuff in order for God to accept you and love you. But no, all you got to do is accept the gift of Jesus Christ that God gave and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Forgive me all my failures. Forgive me my past, my sins, all my mistakes. I, I want a fresh start, and I want a relationship with you. I want you to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. And the way, same way that God looked after Israel's people in the desert, God will look after you, my friend. He said he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Nothing can separate you from his love. And today, if you never made a decision to invite Christ into your life, it would be my honor to pray together with you. I'm going to do like this. In a second, I'm going to count to three. When I say three, I want to invite everybody who says, Andres, when you pray, would you please include me in that prayer? I want to accept Christ into my life. I want you, when I say three, to, three, to lift up your hand just as, as a sign of God where you go, God, here I am. I want to accept you. I invite you into my life today. And your hand is a sign of God, and it's also a sign to me when you go, Andres, please include me in your prayer. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to know who I'm praying for. But if you're in this room today and you know that you're drifted away from a relationship with Christ, maybe you're like the Israelites, you kept drifting away. Stuff didn't happen the way you wanted and now you're at a place where you never thought you'd be. And you need a fresh start. You need to recommit, resurrender your life to the Lordship of Christ again and you know it. Then what a great day to do that. Maybe that's why God brought you here today so you can get a new and fresh start with Christ in your life. If that is you, I want you to lift your hand when I say three as well. I'm going to pray and I'm going to count to three. If you want to invite Christ into your life for the first time, or if you need a new start, a fresh start with Christ in your life, would you please put up your hand when I say three so I know who I'm praying for? Are you ready? One, two, three. Lift up your hand, please. Thank you so much. All around this room, the balcony down here, hands everywhere. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If you lifted your hand, you can take it down. Let's pray this prayer, everybody together, this whole room, even online and at other campuses. uh, Please pray this prayer with me. Repeat this after me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me. I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. From this day on, 
I am yours and you are mine. Thank you, Jesus, that nothing can separate me from your love and your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we give a big hand for everybody who made that decision? Can we stand up together? Now we're going to sing a song. Service is not over. It'll be over in a little bit, but we're going to sing a song. And if you need a word from the Lord, you can get it right now. In this worship song, it'd be my prayer that you would press in, that you go before the Lord and you say, God, speak to me. Give me a word that I need in Jesus' name. God bless you. Come on, let's worship together. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.